Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody deserves second chances. You are now listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast with your host, George Valenzuela. This is education coach George Valenzuela. Welcome to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast, where I provide all educators, whether instructional leaders or teachers, tips on how to be their best, both personally and professionally. Now let's get into it. This is going to be my favorite episode. I'm super excited. I'm here with a childhood friend, Phil Bristol, who's a man of God, a family man, and an educator for over 20 years. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing very good, man. How about yourself? I'm doing good, man. Brad Seaver, who's another friend of mine and who was on the show, he said, George, what was your favorite episode? And I said, my favorite episode hasn't been recorded yet. It's this <laughs> one right here because you're on it. Welcome, my dude. I appreciate that. I love that you excel in three major areas of your life. Number one, you're an awesome family man, which I strive to be. Number two, you're passionate about teaching, what I am as well. But three, you're passionate about something that I want to work on. You're very good at cultivating lifelong relationships, and that's extremely hard to do. But before we get into how you excel at each of these three things at such a high level, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Before I get started, man, I have to congratulate you my friend on this platform, you're doing great things. It's great to see you stepping into this next phase in your journey and to just see you develop in the way that you are. But to everyone else, hello, my name is Phil Bristol. I'm a teacher. I'm a husband. I'm a father of two. I'm a brother of four. I'm a Christian man. And I have a passion for educating and inspiring young minds to reach their full potential. I'm grateful for this opportunity to be with you right now. I'm committed to nurturing, loving, and supportive relationships with my family. I prioritize spending quality time with my fam. That's just a a small, brief synopsis about who I am as an individual. Listen, y'all, he's one of the greatest people I know. I met him in 1999, SUNY Old Westbury. We were both in the computer science program at SUNY Old Westbury. Big shout out to SUNY Old West. If any of our friends are watching, shout out to you. Make sure you hit up Phil. I met him and he was the flyest dude in the program. And I noticed that about him. He always (laughs) had the flyest gear, the best sneakers. He used to work at Foot Locker though. So there you go. I just want to say two things about him. So the type of person that he is. I wrote them down. He got me my first interview for a teaching job in Virginia. For folks that know me in Virginia, there's a very good chance that I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it weren't for Phil, number one. Number two, when I bought my first home over 20 years ago, Phil put the money in my account that got the loan approved. A lot of people don't know that. Phil. How has our relationship since then evolved? I had an interesting path in college where I I started out not really fully understanding or or having a clear idea of what I wanted to do. I was still up in the air. So I changed my major a few times. And and when I landed into the science, I I met you. Uh, And there was, it, it was that you, you meet people at first and that that's a classmate. We, we did projects together. I always admired the fact that you, you, you were very knowledgeable in, in the computer science realm. You, you understood a lot. You, so I think our friendship kind of started off in that sense where it was like, yo, this guy, I know this guy can help me succeed in this, in this program. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and, and interesting enough from there on, we were lockstep into uh, until graduation. And I don't think I would have done as well in that program if it wasn't for you. So I know you're sharing some things today, but I want to share that with you. Like you, you were a major factor in, in my development with, as far as computer science goes. And then I got to know this brother, man. And, and one of the things that I admired about George was that he was very comfortable expressing himself. And, and I didn't, a lot of friendships that I had 
not everyone was as comfortable sharing their feelings, sharing their emotions. I remember one of our like most in, intriguing conversations that I had. You're, you talk about, I'm a man of God. You're a man of God as well in, in your Muslim faith. And you're one of the first individuals that I sat down and really had a conversation about religion and made me understand some things about, and, and similarities too, similarities with the Christian walk and, and the Muslim walk. So there was this, this level of growing that I, that I felt when I was with you, a learning that I felt when I was with you. And I think that really helped forge a, a bond and a relationship with us. So when, when, when I, you got me my first job too, man. Don't think I forgot about that. You got me the job at that computer firm in Farmingdale. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, man. Wow. So you were working there and then you got me that job. So you see, it, and this this goes into, into friendships too, man, about never forgetting that what someone does for you and paying things forward. Because I, I, I'm almost positive when you got me that job, you didn't realize how much of an impact I would pay a few years later when I would move down to Virginia. And then you would want to get into the teaching profession. I got you that. I got you the interview. And you stayed at my house, too, for, for, for a while while you wow. was figuring out that, that stay. Mm -hmm. So our friendship really just continued to just grow and to nurture and to develop into something bigger. And then I, when I left Virginia, I think we kind of, kind of not strained, but distanced ourselves a little bit, not only locale-wise, but everything that was going on in our lives. You, you started a family. I was starting a family at the same time. And, and, I, and our relationship kind of just, we didn't speak as often. But what we forged in that beginning, and that's the, I think that's so important about in early relationships, how they start usually will dictate whether they're going to be sustainable or if they're not. And I think our relationship, because of those genuine acts of love, genuine acts of kindness, genuine acts of selfless, selflessness is what really helped forge our relationships or our relationship, excuse me. But yeah, and I think today where we are, man, we, 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 we're adults. We're mature individuals. We've had some hiccups along the way, <laughs> right? As, as most relationships do, but it, we, we iron, we've we ironed those things out. We've had conversations and, and we were able to be where we are today as two respectable gentlemen. I can definitely say that you're one of the most important relationships I've ever had. Be like one of my longest ones. Wow. I don't typically get emotional. I don't <laughs> typically do. I appreciate everything you said. For folks that are tuning in, this is the Lifelong Learning to Find podcast, and it's a show where we talk about lifelong learning, which part is personal, part is professional. We invite guests that are excelling at three major areas of their life. I invited Phil because one of the things that I'm trying to normalize with my male friends is to support each other and be there for one another because we don't know what's gonna happen in life. I think about the movie Life with Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, and they're like cursing each other out in the nursing home. And I can see Phil cursing me out one day <laughs> or me cursing him out or like other friends of mine. Our relationship has inspired me to work on my relationship with him, but also other people. But before we get into that, I wanna start at the foundation of Phil's relationship building. I met his parents and his parents have, have raised some kids and they're very close knit and family is a big part of his culture, of his religion. What does family mean to you? That's a good question. Family, it means, it means having a support system that provides love, provides comfort, provides companionship, provides grace, provides so so many so many things, man. And you take it all the way back to to my upbring upbringing, and I would have to just go just one one step behind, one step beyond that, rather. And my my father is a sibling of ten. He has 10 other siblings. And my mom is the second eldest of 14. Wow. So family is extremely important. So 
all of those things that I mentioned, support, love, comfort, companionship, grace, and, and love, those are things that I think, not that I think, that I know was was in the home of, of my parents when they grew up with so many siblings. Growing up with 14, they didn't have 14 rooms, man. It, it was close-knit. They didn't have TV like that. They would, So they spent a lot of time together. And uh, when my parents came to this country, they, they lived in a small apartment for a little while, but then they eventually, they bought their first house in, in Bushwick, Brooklyn, in USA Stand Up. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that I was able to see at a young age was 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 when my my parents, when my mom particularly, my my mom's siblings would come into this country, they would come to our house first. It was almost like the rite of passage. It was it was where this my my, my mom's siblings they came. If they had families, they would live in our house, and they would stay there until they can find their own way. So, at an early age, I understood the importance of family and talk about that support system and, 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 and that mentorship and that, that comfort that, that I saw my parents establish at a, at a young, at a young age for me. My dad also had cousins who lived down the block. There was this always, there was always this gathering, man. We would just get together. We would play in the street. We would play in the parks. So my parents are the ones who really established that. And then I'm the youngest of, of, five boys, four older brothers, all boys. <laughs> God bless my mom, man. She, she was in a house with six men and uh, she held it down. One of the strongest women I know. And uh, one of the things that we always, there was always respect level in the home. There was always a nurturing spirit in the home. There was always a loving spirit in the home. And those early beginnings for me truly uh, gave me a vision of, of what friendship would be, of what of, of what a family should be. So I think that's one of the main reasons why when I want to keep my family together and work towards keeping my family together. So th those are one of the things I think when, when you ask me about family, when you ask me about family, it, it really goes back to my early beginnings, the origins of, of what my, my, my parents truly started. I was just a side note real quick, like our family is huge, man. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm in one group chat with my mother's siblings and, and cousins with about 40 people. I'm in another group chat with cousins on my, on my father's side. And I kid you not, it's 70 plus people in that group chat. So <laughs> I have a huge family, man. Like the weddings on my side of the family are, are, are crazy, man. We fill up a list like that, man. So when you don't get invited to a family wedding, it's like, you understand, like, I understand everyone can't be invited. So there's that, there's that part about it as well. Wow. It's a beautiful thing for folks that are from New York. They know that New York is a melting pot. So where's your family from, man? Because that's the one thing you left out. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so my, my parents are from Guyana in South America. And so, so they're Guyanese Americans or Guyanese immigrants. I'm the, I, like I said, I'm the youngest. My two eldest brothers were born in Guyana and my, my, my third and, and the rest of us, we were, we were born here in the States and, and my parents grew up not too far in, in villages, maybe like two or three villages away from each other. That's amazing. And for folks that are not from New York and don't know the origins of hip hop, so rap music <laughs> knows music. Hip hop is the culture. One of the things that you like Phil and I from the Caribbean, Hispanic culture and African-American, one of the ways that we communicated and we still do is through hip hop culture, is through music, fashion, things like that. We had those things in common. That's how we've related. My wife actually just made a comment and she knows Phil as well. And she says that beats my 20 person group chat with my dad's family. How can you keep up? <laughs> so, so big shout out to Miriam. So how do you keep up with that? <laughs> I keep it on mute. <laughs> Well, now they all found out. Now everybody just found out. <laughs> yeah, man. But but it's it's not something that we flood. It's something that we share important things. If 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 there's a birthday, if there's an event, we keep in touch. We celebrate one another. 
when 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 anyone is doing something great, that's another way that we just keep in contact. So it's like our our own little small little Facebook. More things will make it into that group chat before they will make it onto Facebook. So it's not easy, and and that's only the family group chat. That's not counting the friend group chats and everything. But so it's it's, it's tough, man. But it's it's worth it. I want to talk about Jen and Jace. So that's your son and daughter. Phil and I are friends on Facebook and Instagram. I get to see how much he loves his kids. Yeah, just tell us about them and how you nurture those relationships. Man. So big shout out to to my to my daughter Genesis. Tomorrow I would I would be a father for 17 years. It would be 17 years tomorrow. That's how old she will be. So happy birthday to to my princess Genesis and and then my my guy Jace man that's that's uh, man he's he's eleven in the sixth grade so how do I so man the, the my two my two children man when you talk about pride and joy it's like my 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 daughter is my joy my son is my pride and but they both bring me so much joy. My wife and I, we often talk about how blessed we are or how lucky we are that we have two very well-respectable children, man. That's one thing that we we always hear. It's almost as if, okay, yeah, they, they're supposed to be respectful. They're supposed to be kind. They're supposed to be these things. But truth be told, man, it, it's it's not something that you find. It, it's, it's not something that's extremely common these days. But I think one of the ways that I, I nurture and 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 develop the relationship with my children is is just being there to support them. They're involved in many different activities, from music to sports, to to Genesis was in dance at one point. Jace is in martial arts. He's playing soccer. He plays the piano. He's playing he's playing the the trumpet. She plays the flute. She runs track. She plays soccer. She's a National Honor Society kid. She's in clubs. And I think it's it's important for me to make sure that my children develop relationships outside of our family, outside of our nucleus. And then I support them in those relationships. And we do things together. We, we eat together on a regular basis. We go out together. If my wife and I go out, my daughter's like, where y'all going? Why can't, why can't I come? So, and, and, and she still does that even till today. Like, where y'all going? <laughs> she always wants to be, be a part of it. I see the happy birthday shout outs. Thank you so much. But yeah, man, I think that's one of the biggest things, man. It's just showing an interest also in the things that they're interested in. And I think that's also important, man. Not always trying to like force conversations, not always trying to be uh, structured in, in how we deal with each other, but letting them just kind of kind of find their way and then support them in it, man. And, and just being a part of presence, being there when they fail, being there when they when they when they when they succeed. And letting them know that we're here for them at all times, man. I think that's one of the, the biggest ways that the relationship has, has really developed with my children. Man, that's fantastic. And, and that is so good. I keep hearing the same theme over and over again from each of the guests. When your child has an interest, right, take part in the interest, to let mm -hmm. them lead the interaction. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Let's transition into education. We started out in computer science, and I'm guessing, Phil, that when you were in Virginia, which I am now, so still, you were licensed to teach computer science, but there was no computer science at the time. So I know you're a math teacher, and we took a lot of math courses in CS. A lot of people know that early in my career, computer science was my main thing that I was really focusing on outside of project-based learning. It's my content area. And as of lately, I've been getting a lot more into it. I had a conversation with ISTE and they want me to do some articles and stuff like that and like go back and revamp a few things. And I'm thinking about it. I really think that for you and me, that... The teaching and learning really goes beyond computer science and beyond the content. It's about forming relationships and getting to know learners, not just as learners, but as individuals and as people. So 
How did you get into teaching? So, as you mentioned, right, we, we both graduated college in the computer science field. I worked at the firm that you got me the job at. And I worked there for one year with, with big hopes and big dreams of one day working in Manhattan at some computer firm and living the life. And then I think one of the biggest transformational periods in my life was when 9-11 happened. And what, what that showed to me at that particular moment was job security was, was something that was important. It showed to me that relationships are important. Spending time with family was important. And one, one Sunday at church, I was just talking to a friend and she was like, I was telling her, I was like, I want to do something else. I don't think this is for me. And she was like, why don't you try to be a teacher? I think you'll be a great teacher. She saw something in me and she was like, you'd be a great teacher. And to be honest, it was something that I actually did consider at one point in my life, but I was like, I don't know if that's something that I want to do. And I thank God for her every day. Her name is Beth Jones. And she told me that I should look into teaching. And I, I, I was like, what? I'm just going to do this. I think this is a great way to get into a career. So I went to some job fairs in, in Brooklyn, man, just hoping to find a job in the city or something. And then this woman just walks up to me, Bernie Johnson, who she she just walks up to me, man. And she says, excuse me, young man, what, what do you want to teach? I was like, I, I want to teach math. Do you have your license? No. She was like, have you thought about relocating? I was like, no, I'm trying to get a job in Brooklyn and Queens. That's why I'm here. And she's like, well, I'm from the Richmond Public School System. Give me your resume and I'll just walk around. And I might have given my resume to one other person that day. No lie, two weeks later, there wasn't an, a letter for an interview. There wasn't a letter for come down and let's talk. It was a job offer two weeks later. Come down to Virginia. We'll take care of everything. And that's one of those things where you just look and you might, this can't be like, why this woman picked me out of everybody? So yeah, man, I started teaching there, man. I, and I got a job in... One thing, I, I was just recently talking to my kids, man. We, we have devotions on a regular basis. From time to time, we have devotions. And the word favor came up recently. And I was telling them the importance of what favor meant and what God's favor means and what having favor with men meant. And I found favor when I got to Virginia, man. People were looking out for me. When I, when I interviewed at one school, they were like, well, do you want to teach this or you want to teach algebra? Well, it was a question of what I want to teach. And he was like, well, this we don't have that opening at this building, but there's a smaller school that has an opening for you in the same building. So I ended up teaching at a military school, man. They were calling me Captain Bristol. I was like, yeah, this is it was it was the strangest thing ever. But it was a school that only had about 150 kids at the time. And then like my second year, 225 kids. But what I was able to get out of that, I mean, I, I want to say, man, after my first month, of teaching, I kind of knew, I was like, yeah, this, this is what I want to do. The, the relationships, the, the, the impact, the, the presence, the need, all of those things kind of drew me into the profession, man. And, I, and I've been ever since, man, 20 years strong. Listen, we have to give Richmond City Public Schools and Bernie Johnson a big shout out. So Bernie is on my Facebook, we're still friends. And I'm going to make sure that she watches this episode. And she hired me too, man. Everything you're saying, everything you're saying, that sister went out of her way to make sure that you first and then me were finding Virginia. Um, St. John's Wood was the apartment building. That yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and we were in and it's been a beautiful experience. I see in a lot of younger teachers, I don't see that people are looking out the way they used to. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's almost like now, like you got to sink or swim on your own. But back in the day, I had mentors. I had veteran teachers that were sent to mentor me. And even when I became an administrator, I had the same thing. But I'm not seeing that as much. That makes me want to transition into the next question. You and I have a lot of offline conversations and we know each other on a very personal level. You said to me once that you want to inspire people who look like you 
to enter ed education. Why do you feel that way? Well, first, it's 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 a great profession. It's a thankless profession. Unfortunately, it's 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 not a monetarily rewarding profession as compared to others. But it, it's a it's a spiritually rewarding profession. It's an emotionally rewarding profession. And sadly, there's only I want to say there's less than two percent African American male teachers in this country right now. And that's a problem. And, and, and it's and it's catching steam. It's it's a conversation that's being had in, in many circles. Hofstra recently just ran a, a study on the lack of diversity on Long Island, man. And, and the numbers for the country is one thing in, in, in Long Island. It's even it's even lower. And that's where I teach. I teach in Freeport, Long Island, a pretty diverse town, but it's surrounded by many other predominantly white towns and, and that sort of thing. But why there's a need for male teachers, man, and African-American male teachers, it's something that I said recently when I, when I just received an, an award from the local chapter of the NAACP out here in Long Island. And it was something that I said then, man, it's, it's representation, it, it matters, man, it really does. When when I when when I was a teacher when I was a student excuse me I had I had multiple teachers growing up from Brooklyn even when I came to Long Island I had multiple teachers who 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 looked like me male teachers as well and and they were memorable the the connections that they made the way you it it was a natural thing we talk to we talk about in the teaching profession that you have to try to do you have to try to relate you have to try to but when 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 you have teachers that look like you, they're not trying to, 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 to relate. They do relate. They understand the experience. They understand what that home life might be like. They understand what the struggles that these kids might be going through. And it's so important for students to see teachers that look like them who, who genuinely understand what they, what they're going through, man. And and the beauty of it is, 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 is there studies that's out there. There's studies that, that show that it's not only black and brown students that benefit from having African-American male teachers, white students as well, man, Asian students as well. It, it helps for it. In, in my belief, it's one of the ways in which uh, many students who don't get to see and don't get to interact with black and brown people. It's one of the ways where they can relate and, and recognize that, wow, there's, look at this teacher. He's, he understands, he comes from a different perspective. He, so it's an, it's something that's needed and it's something that it's, it's catching steam in, 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 in universities all over the country. I'm hearing about it, but the problem is, is that the, the pool of teachers is not there. So I think it's important to make this this role attractive. And it goes back to the same thing, right? Many people didn't think they could be lawyers and doctors before the Cosby show. Many, many people don't see themselves in those roles. They see the African-American basketball players and, 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 and rappers and artists and whatever it might be. And that's, and that's where they gravitate to. So I think it's important for them to see. So just real quick, many times I've, I've been encouraged, I'll say, to get into administration. And I gotta be honest, man, I know I'd, I know I'd do good. I, I know I'd, I'd be a good administrator. Many people, I, I, there was someone who told me that my first year in New York City, go get your administrative license, you'll be great. But I love being in the classroom. I really enjoy teaching. And more, if more people would just talk about the joy that they have in teaching, more people like me, I think that it would make this role, it would make this position more attractive, but people have to see individuals that look like them to make sure it's it's something that they can achieve or something that is attractive. Mm. I'm hearing you say those things. I can definitely relate. In New York, where I grew up and just in college, there weren't a lot of Hispanic teachers, but my African-American teachers were very memorable. We are teachers. We've been teachers over 20 years now. And we know that there's no other better profession 
but times have changed. And according to the RAND survey of 2021, teaching has become the most stressful profession. So what would you tell a young teacher that is just starting out? What are three pieces of advice that you would give them so they can have the longevity that we have? I would say the first thing is, is that it gets better. Any, any, any field that you go into in the beginning, it's going to be stressful. For me personally, I was, I had the, I had the benefit of learning in a low stress environment, meaning there weren't many students. Like in my first classrooms, I had like 10 kids, 12 kids. I was able to connect with each and every kid. It wasn't 30 kids in the classroom trying to settle them down. So I was able to hone my skills in, in a very low stress setting. But even in that, there was still a learning curve. And the better I became in my content, the easier things became. You realize planning is not as difficult. So I would say be patient. If it's something that you truly want to do, don't let the early stages of the profession turn you away. The second thing I would say is it's important to have your tribe at work, have a community that you can you can build with, you can relate with, you can into, you can cry to, you can laugh with, you can, because there are a lot of miserable teachers out there. Sadly, there are so many miserable teachers and it could, and, and, and a lot of it is because they're jaded. A lot of it could be because they, they're close to retirement, they, whatever it might be. There's a lot of miserable teachers out there. And I think administrators don't make that, make that easy. So I think it's important to also have good relationships, people that you can build with, people that you can share with, people in your content area that you can plan with and collaborate with, collaborate with so that those things take some of the stress away from the position. And the third thing I would say is, is to take care of yourself as well. It's important to take time to yourself. One of the, one of the, one of the things that I, I learned early on from a veteran teacher was taking a mental health day. And I didn't know what that meant at the time until I needed a mental health day. <laughs> and he was like, why'd you come in and take a day off? It's okay. You can take a day off. So it's important to take care of yourself, man. If it's if it's going to get a massage, if it's going to just just taking a day to relax and, and go to the beach and where it might be, so you're, you you know, spend time around your friends and your family. It's important to take care of yourself because if if you're not happy, if you if you're not in a good space, in a good headspace, it certainly translates into the classroom. And then misery breeds company. I, I, there's so there, there are many people at in in the jobs that I've had over the years where they they're in clicks. The people who are complaining they're in clicks. So I think it's important to take care of yourself, forge good relationships with your coworkers, and uh, take time. We now have a service announcement. We at Lifelong Learning Defined do not endorse all of the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I definitely get what you mean, brother. I get what you mean. And for the administrators out there, hear what my friend Phil said. Support your younger teachers. Try to get start them in low-stakes environments, if possible, and not as many kids. They have to learn how to teach. And it's very difficult to learn how to teach if you have to manage everything that you've never managed in the past. The thing that, that I've learned is that practice in a low stakes environment, it prepares you for the high stakes environment, right? And what makes a really good teacher? Self-efficacy and confidence. That's what we measure in research is the confidence and the self-efficacy to know, yes, I can do this. And I think it's really a number of things. It's being able to manage in a crisis when things don't go the way you want them to go or as planned. You have to know how to pivot, but also is the science of how to plan a lesson and how to facilitate it. And then in your own way, your own art, being able to masterfully do that, that takes time. 
for those that are supporting teachers, it's like Phil is saying, you have to help them with their environment, provide mentors, and also have the tribe as, as you said. For folks that are just tuning in, we have my really good friend, Phil, here, and we've talked about his passion for his family, being a teacher, and now we are getting into the final thing that I think he's really, really good at. And I really feel that this is one of the main reasons why I met Phil is his ability to foster long-term relationships. I have a confession. And I keep saying this on the show. When we were in college, I noticed that when he would have me over for parties, he had friends, other dudes that he would hang out with. And they had known each other since elementary school. I was a little jealous of that. And not in a bad way. It made me feel like, man, I wish I had that too. So how do you foster relationships like that? It goes back. It goes back to my early upbringing, man. I tell you, my first friends were family. My first friends were my cousins who were coming in from Guyana and living in the same house as me. Two, two of my closest friends were cousins. One that was a few months younger than me and just about a year older than me. And when you, you, I think you, you, you treat family in a way that it's just more genuine. It's, it's more natural. You, you, you have a short memory of wrongs. You, you're more forgiving because when, when I'm going to be mad at you forever, you do me wrong today. Well, let's, let's go throw the football tomorrow. So I think that early interaction or that early experience I've had with, with my friends who were family helped me establish and develop in my mind what a friend was and what a friend is. Mm. So when I, so when, when I moved to Long Island, in, 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 when I moved to Freeport in, in the late 80s, I, I, there was kids in the neighborhood, man. I, growing up in Brooklyn versus moving to the suburbs, it was, I, I was looking for people where in Brooklyn, you would just come outside and there's everyone there. That's so I was looking for people. And I, I became friends with one guy who lived right up the block from me. And he had three other friends or four other friends. And, and we all interacted together. And then we went from fifth grade to sixth grade. And, and every year, it just, there's more that, played a part in developing the friendship. We played sports together, organized and, and, and unorganized. We, we communicated about relationships. And so again, man, any relationship is going to have its ups and downs. People turn away from a relationship a good relationship too, because someone did something wrong or hurt their feelings or offended them or did something wrong to them and and, and it bruised their ego and disrespect. And they lose really good people because of incidents or little accidents. And the quote that we started out with, everyone deserves second chances. Everyone is everyone makes mistakes. I've I've held on to that with my friends, man. There's a genuine love that we have for each other. And I think what also helps is when you grow with people, graduating college together, starting families together, being around. And, and then you, there was a time, Ty, when, George, there was a time when my friends and I, we would, we would watch football like two nights a week. We would play basketball three nights a week. And this is as married men. We would do these things. And, and our wives understood that this was their time. And man, and I tell you what, I never thought that would stop, dude. I thought this was, I was like, man, this is adulthood. We're going to watch games. We're going to do this. But eventually we all grew and we couldn't do that as often. But the relationships were still there, man. And I think mutual respect is so important. Having those bonds, it's so important. So for me personally, man, I'm, I'm a very forgiving person, man. And I think in order for relationships to be sustained over a long period of time, there's going to be, you're going to have to show grace to people and recognize that they're going to mess up. 
gotta forgive people because deep, if you if them deeply, you have to give people that space to 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 be human, and I think that's helped me to really foster the long term relationships that I have in my life. Wow, that is so good. It's just so good, and it really leads into our relationship. And that's the thing that you taught me. I come from a household where my mom was in my life only for a short amount of time. And she was super passive aggressive. She would hang up on you and then get mad because you don't call her back. It was either her way or the highway. I don't think I had an attitude like that with people. But if I was ever offended or if I felt like someone did something I didn't like and it wasn't addressed, I would shy away from that person. For everyone watching, if you come from a similar background, like how like Phil and I do that, we get into heated debates about who the best rappers or, or athletes are. And Phil is a big Jay-Z fan, which I like Jay-Z too. But you would think he was Jay-Z's lawyer or something, like he was on the payroll or the cousin or something. And I like 50 Cent. I like Dame Dash. Not because I feel that they're better at making music, but these are people that have inspired me in my business and in what I'm doing. And I'm tuning in every week to these guys, whether it's entertainment with the power universe or if it's business advice in the Dame Dash, also 50 Cent has two great books, two amazing books. A lot of my business plan and my business model is based on things that these guys put forward. We get into debates, not just about that, but just little things about art and we get into disagreements. And sometimes disagreements, it's like high school. It's like middle school. I'm not saying it's in the street, but it's back to the streets. As I've gotten older, and I spent time not talking to Phil or other friends. When you reconnect, you realize how much you love this person. You kind of feel dumb for allowing an argument or not agreeing on the same thing to hold you back from speaking with the person. I was watching The Best Man Holiday or The Best Man Final Series. And like him and I and our relationship, it's a TV show or it's a, like it was a franchise of movies and it, and it became a special where it followed the relationships of men and women from our background or like very similar from their 20s into their early 50s. And one of the opening lines in the new show was relationships are the most important thing in life, but they're also the hardest things to do. Mm. And that hit me because now that I'm approaching 50, that's the only way to understand that they're the most important thing, but they're the most hardest thing as well. Because I have a point of reference. I have Phil, I have my wife, I have other friends. And I've learned a lot from you, man. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, yeah. I learned a lot from you. So, And just to, just to piggyback that, man, lo loyalty is important. In, in relationships. And it doesn't mean that we talk every day. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm there for every experience, but I think loyalty is something that is, is so crucial in relationships. And that's something that is also in, 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 the, in the picture as well. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about your most important relationship, which is Rosalind, your wife. And I have another confession. When we were in college, I had never met a friend of mine that was, and she was his girlfriend at the time. And when he told me that they were together for seven years while we were in college, I think I remember, like, I never told him this, but I remember being shocked. Like, man, I've never seen a seven year relationship. But think about it. I came from a broken home. I hadn't met anyone up until that point that had been in a long-term relationship and relationships is something that I've struggled with romantic ones until I met my wife now and we've been off and on and we've worked it out since 2014 
but Phil is my friend that's my age that has the longest standing relationship out of anyone I know. Wow. And I salute you for that. And I commend both you and Roz. How do you keep that going? Because I don't know anybody else. Oh, man. A lot of a lot of grace, man. The same things, the same things that I mentioned with relationships with my with my male friends. It's something that has sustained us as well. And it's it's good when you have a partner who who understands you and urges you and motivates you. It's 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 like any relationship, man. It, it's never just it's not just a one-way one-way street where things are always going to go in 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 the right direction or whatever it might be but i think what we've what we've been able to do is allow each other to grow forgive for the mistakes that are that that were made those are two core values man she comes from a fa- she comes from a, a, a home that that was together as well her mom and her dad God rest her, her dad were together until he passed. And my parents are still married over 50 years. So we saw relationships and we saw two people work together and make it work. And you, you gotta have fun too. You gotta do fun things, man. You you have to find enjoyment together as well. And I and I'll say on top of finding enjoyment together and doing fun things, traveling and still going on dates here and there, I think it's also important for you to have your own relationships as well and to respect the fact that you can have your own relationships. When, you, when you're together for a long period of time, some people do it out of where, where they all they know is themselves and they do everything together, but she has her friends where she does things with her friends and I have my friends that we do. And then sometimes we, we, we come together. So I think those are those are three things that that has helped sustain our relationship over the years. Bro, I commend you and Rosalind. I don't look up to a lot of people, I'll be honest, but I definitely admire you both. And your relationship is one that I aspire to have with my wife. And I hope that my kids also have those lifelong relationships and the romantic one as well. All right. So just to recap, I started out by telling you three things that I love about you. You're an awesome family man. You're passionate about teaching and learning, and you're very big on cultivating lifelong relationships. And I will say this again, it's difficult to do. And you are doing a great job, my friend. But what is something that we haven't said about you or you haven't said that you want the audience to know? Well, I would say this too, man, something that is at the core of who I am is my my relationship with the Lord and my relationship with God. And that has been something that's extremely important. It's it's in most, if not all of my relationships. I talk, we talked about friends that I've had from from elementary school, but I also have church friends, man from even longer than that if you if you can believe that dude even longer than that and i think having that at the core having that at the center man i think that's also something that helps keep a strong relationship with my children we go to church together we 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 pray together we read the bible together and it it truly has help shape me. I think it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm able to be as forgiving as I am. It's one of the reasons why I'm able to demonstrate grace when people make, make mistakes. I think it's one of the reasons why I'm successful as an educator. So there's there's these core values that that I have been raised up in, man. I have a mom who she would tell, it was hard for her to tell people no. They would ask her to do things and it would be hard for her to say no because it's just something that was, she grew up with 14, (laughs) 13 siblings. That's something that that she would do. So I think that's something that, that's something that drives me, man. It's something that motivates me. It's something that keeps me grounded. It's something that centers my life when things are, you know, 
ups and down. And I think it's important to have a faith and, and for my kids to have that faith and for them to tr- hopefully raise their kids with that faith. And, uh, and the other thing is, man, is I admire you, man. You talk about the admiration that you have for me. I've seen you grow over the years. I've seen you develop, man. You 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 motivate me to to want to get into some of the spaces where I see you moving, doing your professional developments, and that's something that's always in the back of my mind. Where I want to I want to transition from the classroom at some point, no time soon. I love the room, but at some point, maybe doing both at the same time. So I'm looking forward to to that as that part of my journey in, in this life. All right, so let's put this into the universe. When I get that blank check, you coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's some other people coming with us too. So Yaritza, Victor, Sheldon, my man Steve will be the manager of entertainment. But when the blank check comes, man, I got you, brother. All right, so this is the part of the show where I give you your flowers, Phil. I think I've said a lot of things about you. I'm very comfortable in saying, man, I love you, dog. You're one of the, I appreciate that. You're one of the best friends I've ever had. And I appreciate that because you've taught me a lot and you've modeled a lot and you spent a lot of time in my ear and telling me I'm wrong and calling me Mr. SCL and Mr. Equity and all these things when I need to hear it. And I appreciate that. And just know that we're friends for life. If you Sorry. ever need anything, you just have to pick up the cell phone. You Absolutely. already know that, so yeah. it doesn't matter. So let's speak this into the universe. If you have a church, if you have a school, and that relationship building is the most difficult thing that is not happening, how can they contact you, Phil, so you can come any given Sunday, any Bible study, or just any keynote? and speak about how you cultivate relationships and advice for others. How can they get in contact with you other than at Lifelong Learning to Find? If you want Phil, you can get at me and he will be there. That would be the best way. But I can also be found on email at philip.b at blackeducatorscommittee.org. So that's philip.b at blackeducatorscommittee.org. I know you're big on social media. I mean, I have a I have a small following on on Twitter, but that that's always an opportunity as well at B Phil O S five. So B P H I L O S five. That's my handle on Twitter. You could be I could be found there as well. But it's about to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll put all of that into the show notes. And yeah, man. Thank you so much for your time. For all the folks that have tuned in, this might be the longest one. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Lifelong Learning Defined podcast with George Valenzuela.